Broadcasting live from the middle of America, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top Realtor, investor, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Witt. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. All right. Welcome to episode 110 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Taylor, who's done over 5,000 appraisals in this market. He's been running like a chicken with his head cut off the last 24 months. We're finally able to slow down to a a normal pace here. Post-COVID was crazy. Post-COVID, exactly. A post-COVID crazy pace and be able to talk a little bit more detail about the appraisal process a little bit later about the market here. So stay tuned for that at the end of the video. But I'm going to go over some of the most common questions we get here at the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show about the appraisal process. So I'm going to start you off here with, do I have to get an appraisal? And I'm going to take that one. So the short answer is, if you're financing a home, in 99% of the cases, the answer is yes. Your lender wants you to be able to get that property and give you a loan on that property, but they've also got to make sure that if you, for some reason, default on that property, that they can sell the property and repay the loan. And that's really the purpose of hiring an appraiser. Well, the appraiser is a third party to the transaction, and they make sure that by taking a third party company, that the bank hires and then that company hires Taylor here or whatever appraiser shows up and that's how the the appraisal process is able to be completely double blind if you will. So what are the components of the appraisal report? Just kind of give us a basic overview. Yeah, it's mostly two parts. The first is gathering information about the property. So that's when we call you and come out and take some measurements and photos and all that kind of stuff. And then the second part is going back to the office and pulling sales and gathering all that other information that's data online and then putting it into the appraisal report. And that's what gives us, you know, our opinion of value. Hmm. I know a lot of times when somebody gets an appraisal report, it can be super complicated to the normal person's never seen an appraisal report. It's kind of a complex document. Yeah. I think there's over 2000 fields of information on an appraisal. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But roughly where, where's the most important part? If a homeowner just wants to look at it and say, well, what did this thing appraise for? Well, the bottom of page two is your big number there. Bottom of page two. Okay. And that's pretty uniform, right? That, that, Mm -hmm. that appraisal form is everybody uses that same form. Uh, yeah, typically. I mean, there's kind of like a drive-by form or a full appraisal form, but basically it's the 1004 is what it's called. Okay. So yeah. look for page two on that. Uh, another yeah. question from some of our viewers, does the appraiser know the price stated in our contract? So this is a question. This is a great question. Uh, this would be when you get an offer on your home, or if you're a buyer, you put an offer on a home. Once that offer is accepted, that offer is then sent to the bank, and the bank orders the appraisal, and with it, they send that purchase contract. So answer this. Do you see the value of the home on the contract? Uh, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's important for us to know the conditions of the sale, whether there's concessions or any other things going on. Uh, we have to have that information to do an accurate appraisal on the property. And how much does that uh, sway your opinion, you'd say? None. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there you go. And and just for those that may say, well, that's not true. You know, you got the value right there. Why wouldn't it sway your value? Sales in the area is what determines the value. And so 
based on that, that's where the value comes from. It doesn't come from the contract or what the people have agreed to do. Um, it having the contract helps us understand what the parties are thinking in the transaction, and that helps us give a better idea of the terms of the sale. Which so it's the, having the contract has nothing to do with what the house is worth. It gives us an idea of what is going on with the terms of the sale. Kind of the roadmap of this transaction. And, right. You know, when we talk about concessions, that would be closing costs right. or offering to do repairs or something right. like that. Any type of deal changes. Some things will pop up where it's like a deal between family members. And you go, oh, okay, so that's why these numbers don't really make sense in this contract because they're giving each other a deal, which is great. So. And the next question, which is right in line with what you already said, this is great. This is a question from Mary. She says, how does seller concessions affect an appraisal? Um, it, usually someone will have a lower purchase price if they have higher uh, concessions in it. So, hey, we're going to, or we'll pay more because we have more concessions in it. So, so how does that affect the value? Like, say, for example, what you brought up is like, you want to get $5,000 towards your closing cost. Mm -hmm. A common uh, tactic is for an agent to offer $5,000 more to cover that. How does that affect you? In the report, we can make seller concession adjustments. Sure, yeah. sure. Now, when we talk about the adjustments, does that mean that you're actually hurting the value of the neighborhood if you sell your home with concessions? Uh, no, I, I feel like that is just a thing that mostly builders are worried about. Like they want to sell this house at this certain price point. They want to set the market for a new neighborhood. And so they're very concerned about what houses will sell for going forward. And so even if you don't want to pay as much for that house, that's why they're so inclined to do updates and upgrades for you. Hey, yeah, we'll add some more can lighting in or we'll, you know, add extra landscaping or things like that. But you're saying in most cases, unless everyone's doing the same exact thing in an existing neighborhood. Right. Which nobody not. is. Which nobody is. Yeah. Exactly. The next question is, does an appraiser need to be an expert in my specific neighborhood or property type before appraising? Yes, that is a huge thing in the appraisal world. It's called the competency rule. So I work out of Oklahoma City. I'm technically licensed to do the whole state, just like you are. Mm -hmm. But... I can't go appraise houses in Tulsa and be have an expert opinion on that. So it's very important that you have a competency mm. in your area. Um, that's why you'll see a, just kind of a different breed of appraisers doing rural stuff. Mm. Because even though it's not that far away from the city, it's a very different approach to value. And how would one be able to know if, it, you know, if they're hiring an appraiser that they're skilled in that area? Um, I, I think you just have to ask them a lot of questions, which I get a lot. Have you done homes in this area? Yes, you know, uh, especially kind of in historical areas. Like mm -hmm. how many historic homes have you done? Yeah, right. that kind yeah. of question. Oh, that's yeah. good have to you know. Been down here lately, even mm -hmm. um, with you know dollar per square foot going so much higher in the historical mm -hmm. historical areas during COVID. So sure. Got to be competent. So the yeah. appraisers are supposed to self-regulate that too. They're not going to. You do take, have to self-regulate. So how does one start into a neighborhood if they've never? been there before uh just your training yeah just gotta and, get training gotcha. right and it's kind of like okay if i have this one area and i branch out a little bit here and there it's mm -hmm. okay gotcha but if you're you know driving all the way across the state all of a sudden not so good gotcha yeah. gotcha uh this comes from david david says what three features change the home's value the most oh okay um 
the first is location, the second okay. is square footage, and the third is updates. Okay. Maybe David's talking about the updates in the home. So yeah, okay. What three updates would you say mm. uh, change the value the most? Um, that's a good question. Well, I, again, back to square footage, I would say an add-on. Mm. If you have like a... I think this property that we're at looks to appear, appear to have had a garage conversion in it. Yep. Um, yeah, it so, sure has. Yep. So there's that. And then there's uh, enclosing like an enclosed patio, getting some air conditioning in there and some flooring, mm-hmm. things like that. So I would start with square footage. Square footage? Okay. I would, yeah. So square footage, number one. What's number two? Uh, I would say the kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Everybody loves a kitchen update. Right. And kitchen updates, you can't just paint the cabinet and get $10,000 more in value, can you? Uh, no. And that, that brings up a good point. I feel mm-hmm. like the overall, so the appraiser's approach is a very big picture approach in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it kind of funnels down into, you know, little things that can make a difference. And you never really know what those are until you get, you know, pretty deep into a report. Mm-hmm. Colors being consistent as in literally the, the exact the color scheme. The paint on the walls, yeah. The paint so, on the like, walls. See okay. how great this kitchen looks? Yep. The back bedroom was the faux paint from like the 2007 era. I got you. So it wasn't updated, wasn't the same. It'd be a little like, ugh, an eyesore kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And how do you notate that in an appraisal? Well, you can just go through the comps and you can Mm -hmm. see like, okay, clearly the house that has the most updates is selling for the most amount of money. And then you can go to the bottom and be like, oh, hey, that's a boarded up foreclosure. And then somewhere in between, you can kind of... (laughs) See where your house is, sure. your subject property is. Sure. Landed. So we got number one, adding square foot. Yeah. Number two is the kitchen. Mm-hmm. What's that third one? Having all of your colors match. Having all your colors match. Yeah. Okay. So that's the biggest thing. What about adding, uh, you know, updating bathrooms, you know? So you'd say if you had the choice of updating a bathroom versus updating a kitchen, go for the kitchen. I would, yes. Okay. Yeah, and every property is different, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, I would mm-hmm. say the kitchen comes first. And just to throw this out there, landscaping, mm-hmm. that's something we get all the time. Landon, I want to add this. Is it going to improve the value of my home? Right. Uh, I would say yes. It also, I mean, we're kind of getting into the, t- the territory of what is detracting from the home. Mm. Fixing the things that detract is more important than adding on things. Gotcha. So if you have an outdated bathroom, but you want to add in a nice patio and deck, you might want to start with the bathroom first. Right. Yeah. I I looked at a house one time that had a $75,000 pergola on the side that was beautiful. (laughs) But yeah, but the inside, it hadn't been touched. And so it would, I mean, beautiful home from the outside, but once you got inside, it was just... And, and people can know it's a detraction if they basically go into open houses in their area, in their neighborhood, checking out what their neighbors have, right. looking on Zillow or Realtor.com and finding other homes and seeing kind of where they compare to those homes. Or having your realtor come in and take a look at your home. I mean, I can't tell you how important that is, working with your realtor. Uh, yeah, Because they know what market trends are. They know what is going to look good, what isn't going to look good. And I just feel like uh, getting that expert opinion would be the best place to start. That's excellent. And another uh, listener question is, how much do these reports cost? How much does the average person yeah. expect to pay? Yeah. Uh, and you may not know that question because you're, you're kind of... Well, uh, apparently banks and mortgage companies have a lot of fees they put on top of the appraisal. Okay. I mean, I've had people tell me they're paying a lot more than what I'm getting paid for the appraisal. So as far as what people should expect, I really don't know. Um, I can tell you the base fee for an appraisal is somewhere between 400 to the 550 range. Mm-hmm. And depending on the complexity of the property, it just goes up from there. Or also how quickly the bank needs to get it back is how 
we quote on our end of it, but as far as what you're paying, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really sure how it is on that end. And that goes back to that third, that, that he's a third party to the transaction mm-hmm. and they want to keep him kind of out of the transaction. So they're hiring a third party agency to hire an appraiser. And, and it's almost at random, isn't it? Isn't it yeah, like a, you guys are called are, AMCs, appraisal management companies. Okay. An AMC and an AMC picks you, you know, you can't call them up and say, Hey, it's, it's your buddy. Yeah. They'll you ask know? you to bid on it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh no. The buddy system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a huge Dodd-Frank change back in the uh, 2010s. And that was that banks were calling the same appraiser out all the time to, to make the loan work, right? And so it's to try to avoid that, to add stability to the housing market, to keep us away from what happened in 2008. Reducing bias, everybody wants that. That's right. Yeah. So what happens if the appraisal amount comes in below our contract price? I'm going to start us off with answering that from the realtor's perspective, uh, because I know you're going, to, you're going to get some phone calls after that. Some angry phone calls. Some angry phone calls. So typically, we, we as realtors, when we get a low appraisal, we're immediately, before we even call you as the customer, we're already talking to the appraiser just to try to understand, is this correct? Did I see this correct? Is everything correct here? Did you see the same comps that I saw? You know, that conversation is existing. Uh, But to make a long story short, you know, and you answer your part, uh, if the value cannot be disputed, and it is what it is, then we have to renegotiate that deal. And that's common to the OREC contracts, the state uh, contract templates most agents use. Uh, uh, requires the deal to basically be renegotiated if the appraisal price doesn't meet purchase price. I was just kidding about the angry phone calls, by the way. Uh, I've I've called some, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially on VA deals. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, tell me they, more. They can get uh, they can get intense. Well, so for, for example, on the VA deal, don't you guys have ten percent uh, kind of discretion there, to uh, where if it's not. Uh, above 10% difference, the VA doesn't even care. They don't even oh, get the involved. the Tidewater thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not a VA appraiser yet, so I don't really know the guidelines for that. Okay. But uh, I've heard, yeah, there's, it's called Tidewater, I think, and it's like, yep. you yeah. do your homework before you head out to the property, and it's like, if it's not looking good, you just cancel it right there, I guess. So. Yeah, so the lender will send out a notification to the, bu- the buyer's agent and say, this, we've received a notice of tide water, and that means that the property is, is suspected to not meet the value at all. Please provide any evidence that you have, which is why it's important to have a really educated buyer's agent if you're wanting to buy in a historic area or something really quaint neighborhood. They can be able to find those, maybe those off-market deals, and just do a lot more research that maybe an appraiser just doesn't have time to do or isn't familiar with that little quirky corner of that neighborhood. And so if you can provide those comps for them, sometimes you can get it. But referring to the 10% rule that I've run into, if it's a 10% or less difference in that property price, the VA gives the appraiser 100% discretion in that. They won't get involved. They just say, just simply handle it with the appraiser. And the appraiser can just decide, I'm too busy to even deal with this. and take it the way it is. And that happened a lot during the pandemic. So uh, that was on the VA deals. Now, what happens if the appraisal's too high? Well, we're kind of getting to the territory where the appraiser really is kind of the referee of the transaction. And thinking about the appraiser as a referee, I think is the best analogy for that. And so sometimes- It's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because 
Uh, sure. Sometimes people commit fouls, and you got to call them out yeah. on it. And yeah, that's sure. what we're here to do. So yeah. Um, well, especially 30, 30 offers or so that we had during the post-pandemic oh, uh, yeah. period. There, yeah. uh, I mean, just emotions are raging, and just yeah. need right. They wanted the home. The competition was there, and we were riding off. Nothing that available. Just crazy. Yeah. And you guys had to be some type of backing to yeah. say this is where it stops. Right. And how did you do that? I mean, what what did that what does that entail? Well, we were incorporating Besides a bulletproof vest well <laughs> yeah yeah uh well there wasn't that much it wasn't that bad actually because we could incorporate market time adjustments i mean mm-hmm. the oklahoma market forever was just so stable you never had to do it but uh seeing that crazy increase month over month over month and you could just see getting on the mls just say why why did this one sell for less oh that sold three months ago instead of this month i mean it was so easy to extract from the market an adjustment for that. And mm. so doing that adjustment, no big, no big deal. And yeah, everyone went along their way. So typically let's say, for example, you've got an appraisal back and your real estate agent or me's come to you and said, we got great news. The home that you're purchasing appraised for more than what your contract is. Congratulations. According to this appraiser's professional opinion, your home is now worth more than what you're paying for it at this closing date. Yeah. Now that the cool thing is that appraisal is now classified information, if you will. It is our it is our possession as a buyer, mm-hmm. and the lender only releases whether it met value or it didn't meet value. And they're going to say it did meet value, and you'll continue to close. And this is to prevent any type of hurt feelings on the seller side, or in some cases, you might have a seller that says, "Well, now that it appraised for that, I want my closing costs back." And there are all kinds of complications could happen. So generally that information is just kept securely to you as the buyer and you just have the peace of mind going forward that your home most likely is worth more than what you paid for it right out of the get-go, which is really exciting. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Especially if you want to refinance down the road and you know yeah. like, hey, we've got some equity here to work great. with. Great. we got a great deal on it. Um, yeah, and that's perfect for somebody that's yeah. bought a home and maybe all their paint colors aren't matching like you described yeah. before. Yeah. And they already know, hey, man, we've got $10,000 in, in equity protection here that we could probably go in and go ahead and paint the house again, yeah. the color that we want. And you can kind of plan that before you move in, mm-hmm. which is neat because a lot of times painters, I mean, they hate painting around furniture. <laughs> and so you can just kind of send them out there with the confidence knowing that yeah. it's worth that. So really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions that you think you know that you get from your customers that you think um, oh i just wanted to bring up uh the differences in uh measuring standards that have come out within the last year okay so there's two different measuring standards for appraisers and recently we've had to normalize every appraiser is measuring to ansi standards uh if you're familiar with like ansi lumens like how much a flashlight is bright and that kind of thing is now measuring standard for real estate. So ANSI has affected houses in our market that are mostly two-story, which means that we're including more of the staircase now than we would have before. And so sometimes we can have a house that has gained square footage just from the new measuring standard. And so I would uh, advise realtors uh, when they're about to list a house to get it measured from an appraiser. A lot of appraisers offer this measuring service, not just measuring services that only do that, but an appraiser can help you determine if you have a little bit more square footage there. So if you have up to 80 square feet and your house is selling for uh, $150 a square foot, well, that's $12,000 you could tack on to your list price. So, Would you say that's increased 
uh, the square foot on average or decreased it with the new measuring? It's about the same for a one-story home, but for a two-story home, it has increased it a little bit, yeah. Taylor's about to share his market forecast for 2023, but before we jump into that, I want you to click the link below to download my free PDF appraisal guide for 2023. This will help you as a seller prepare and maximize your home's value for this appraisal process. And if you're looking to buy or sell in 2023 or you know someone who is, tell them about me. I guarantee you, you'll notice a difference in how I operate in the real estate market in Oklahoma City. Okay, so I'm here with Taylor today, and he's going to tell me a little bit about what his thoughts are on 2023. Now, before he starts talking, let me quantify this. Taylor's done over 5,000 appraisals in the central Oklahoma market. He is what I would call a, a market expert in this field. So let's listen up to what he has to say about 2023 in central Oklahoma. You go. All right. I feel like the market in 2023 is going to remain stable as it has since the last July. And I feel like with the rates going up, it has slowed things down. But I think once we get back into the summer selling season, April, May, uh, we're going to have a lot more movement on the market. And I think that we will be good to go into the future and we're going to have a much more healthy market this summer. So a lot of appraisers are finding themselves doing a lot less volume than they did the past couple months. And the reason why that is, is because the refinance boom has ended, right? <laughs> For the longest time, people were refinancing to historically low interest rates. Well, that time is over. Now we have rising interest rates and it's quite possibly the lowest amount of refinances that we've seen in decades, right? 30, 40 years is numbers that I've heard. So they're in essence doing less transactions. Talk a little bit about what it's been in the private groups of the appraisers. You know, what are the, the words you're hearing on the street with the appraisers? I just have heard that appraisers are just trying to diversify. I mean, doing less lender work, maybe doing mm -hmm. work for attorneys or um, independent work, things like that. Um, and that's because of the lower value or the lower transactions from yeah, purchases. Right. And, right. And I feel like the only people that are refinancing are maybe investors or something like that, mm -hmm. or someone who's wanting to do uh, any sort of project with real estate versus, I mean, the average homeowner, no one's refinancing right now. Sure. Yeah. No, no one's refinancing. Maybe some commercial loans where they've got that balloon payment every two or three years where they have to refinance, Right. you know, and that would be a residential property that was purchased on a commercial product. Right. Many of you guys that are investors on the show, you guys do that as well. Uh, somebody that does a flip, right? They yeah. got to refinance out of that. Yep. So that would be what, an ARV type appraisal? It would be, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're going in and saying, I'm going to buy this property uh, under these conditions and he's letting us know what it could uh, appraise for after. You know, I know you can't comment too much because the year has just begun, mm -hmm. but where in your best opinion, if you just had to say from a homeowner standpoint, do you feel the value of properties is going to go up drastically, down drastically, or stay pretty level. I this think it's year. going to be pretty linear. Yeah, I do. Okay. I think it'll like stay like three percent, five percent linear, or maybe a little less than that. I mean, I think it really just depends even just staying on what area still. you're in. 
for okay? sure. Yeah. So home values just kind of staying the way they are. Uh-huh. Um, and then maybe, uh, you know, we think about the concessions and things like that, repairs. That's going to get a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. to build into the deal. Uh-huh. Um, I know that the rent uh, or the list price to purchase price percentage right now is slightly lowering down. Yeah. But part of that is, is a lot of our sellers are having a tough time realizing that the markup that they were getting last year right. is just not happening anymore. I think that, it, like I said, I think it'll stay linear. And I think once we get into the summer market, even with the higher rates, we'll be mm-hmm. able to hold on to, you know, a healthy market. But, you know, that's kind of taking into consideration that rates don't go up even more. So I think if they stay stable, which they seem to have stabled out a little bit. At least slowed down. In slowed reasons. down. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that think everyone will be just fine. Boring old Oklahoma, as we like to say. <laughs> it's always been a linear market. If you look at the majority, I mean, just the lion's share of decade, decades, and decades, it's a 3% annual appreciation market. Low cap, low land value, right? Linear market is what you're buying when you buy into Oklahoma. Uh, it's the middle of America, right? Anything west of here, not a whole lot of rain, so you got sparse population. And everything east of here is where 80% of the United States lives. So we're kind of in that middle ground of the Midwest, uh, frontier city, if you will, uh, that has really a lot of positives to it of being this kind of cowboy spirit around here. But it also results in it not being that trendy of a place, which keeps us away from those high, super high highs and those super low lows. So watch for that. Thanks for uh, commenting on the market here, Taylor. No problem. Cool. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit okcrealestateshow.com.